Hello and welcome to Marketing in Times of Recovery. And I'm your host, Iowa Bass, founder and director of Abbas Marketing, a specialist built environment marketing consultancy. This episode was recorded on Thursday, July the 1st, 2021. And today I've not got one, but two very special guests from MACE, Daniel Regan and Dave Hendy. MACE as a company is one that I know really, really well, as I used to work for Danielle for four years in the business partner role that she mentions in the podcast. In our discussions, we talk about a host of things, from why purpose is so important in their new 2026 business strategy, how their marketing team had to restructure overnight to support the business during COVID, how internal comms has grown in stature and importance, and why it's been so important for them now to be viewed as a team as a trusted advisor. And if you like the show, please, please, please do leave us a review as it really will help us to spread the word to more people. Anyway, I'll stop talking and let you get on with listening. Enjoy. Okay, so welcome to the show, Danielle and Dave. Um, Could you introduce yourselves and your roles at MACE, please? I'm going to kick off with you, Danielle. Hi, Io. Nice to be here. Um, yeah, I'm Danielle Regan. I'm the Group Marketing and Communications Director at MACE. And you, Dave? Thank you. Yeah, it's fantastic to be here. I, I, I'm Dave Hendy. I'm MACE's Head of Corporate Communications. Cool. And um, Danielle, can you give us a quick rundown on how the marketing communications team works at MACE? Because you're quite a kind of large team, aren't you? What size are you and, and what do you do? Yeah, we're, we are quite large now, actually. It's been really interesting, actually. I've been at Mace for 13 years, and I think when I joined, I think we were about a team of about five or six. Wow. Um, and now we're approaching about 40 people as well, um, and, you know, actually starting to be, become a bit more of a global team as well, which is, which, is, which is fantastic. So, yeah, I guess so our role really is, um, I suppose there's three, three main parts to it, you know, position, protect, and promote the Mace brand. Uh, support the business to win work um, but also a huge part of what we do is actually creating brand ambassadors um, so you know kind of starting from the from the inside out really um, you know, trying to turn our six and a half thousand employees into brand advocates uh, kind of out in the marketplace um, so there that's kind of what we do as a team we're split into four small smallish teams so we've got uh, corporate comms that Dave leads which is Internal comms, external comms, um, that includes sort of press, social media, uh, corporate affairs, thought leadership, um, as well as um, supporting all of our I- internal comms and, and transformation and employee engagement. Okay. We've got digital and design, which is kind of digital marketing, but also graphic design, video and photography. Um, that also includes our kind of CRM and customer satisfaction team as well um we've then got a small events team so this um team that do all of our physical virtual and hybrid um events um and then we've got our business partners and 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 that's the kind of the the link between the business really so almost like account managers so they represent marcoms within the engines of the business in the business unit so they turn the business strategies into kind of marketing strategies and and campaigns so they're the voice of marketing in the engines and the voice of the engines in 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 the team so that's us 
I was going to say the engines. That's like that's a job I used to do at Mace. Um, <laughs> I think there was I think there was one of you at the time. I like, wasn't there. Now there's a there's an army of there's an army of uh, of, of marketeers. Uh, but so know, yeah, which is fantastic. I guess like in lots of stuff I've always done, it's like people go, we want to see if this works, and that's kind of a lot of the roles I've had. It's like, do we need marketing or do we need? And it's kind of just demonstrating to the business what value that kind of role can be, bring, and the business partner role, I guess is the all-seeing eyes in the business in a way, isn't it? Which is quite a kind of key thing for a larger team and a larger organisation as well. I, I think what's been really interesting, so I, I joined Mace in 2017. When I turned yeah. up, the, the business partner function wasn't very big either. And actually, it, it's almost a measure of the growing understanding and acceptance of the role of what we do as a team. You can measure by by the expansion yeah. of the business partner team because e- each of those business partners represents part of our business that has recognised the value and is prepared to kind of stick up the cost to, to make marketing and comms happen in their part of the business and aim yeah. with them. And I do think you can, you can almost track the, the growth of our kind of success as a team over the last four years by the growth of that function as a kind of demonstrating why we need to be where we are and what we're doing. Yeah, I, abs- I absolutely agree, Dave. I think, you know, as you know, I have been at Miss a number of years ago. It, you know, n- marketing wasn't as perhaps mature um, in, yeah. in the sector at, at that point in time. And, and we've been on a real kind of journey, really sort of trying to get people to see the value of, of what we do and embed it within the business. And I would say that now, as Dave says, the, the size of the business partner team is really testament to that because the the, the people on the ground and, and the, you know, the, the, the engines themselves are really bought into it and see the value of it and hence have, have then invested in, in, in marketing professionals to, to really support them to drive their, uh, to drive their agendas. So, you know, it's a really, really positive, positive story. And how do you, I guess, how do you get the business to see the value of marketing? How, what kind of things did you do? Were there particular things or what did you have to do to show them? Because I know it's not that easy to convince people and it does take time. It has taken time. And I think there were certain things that, there were certain things where no matter how well we did them, it wouldn't change what the business thought of marketing, you know? So there's certain things that almost, I don't want to call them hygiene factors in so much as they're, um, you know, they're not strategically important, but there were certain things that, you know, wouldn't shift the dial. They were just kind of expected. Um, I think when we got into the space of really trying to support the business to win work, you know, whether that was supporting on kind of strategic pursuits and, and bids and getting into kind of the capture planning space or really trying to kind of position the brand in, in new sectors and new markets um, or, or support the business with new service lines. Um, I think that's where the, when things started to change because we were almost treated more of kind of advisors and, and kind of strategists than just a kind of delivery you know channel delivery function yeah um so i i i think it's i think it's to do with that is it's really sort of getting under the skin of the business um trying to understand and, and also not just understand where it's going but also influence where it's going as well because yeah. i think that's something else that we do now as a team is we're actually involved at kind of group strategy level rather than just kind of responding to what the business is the direction of travel we're actually trying to influence the direction of travel and, and I think some of it as well is 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 also being quite selective around what what you don't do. And I think you know I, I thought it was really interesting. We we had a we had a team meeting recently where we were talking about ground rules as a team. And somebody who's been in the team a long time kind of pushed back a little bit against this idea of us being a fun team that had a sense of humour. And and he he was saying, well, actually, 
you know, when I when I arrived at Mace, we were the fun team. We did all the fun stuff, and we never did anything serious and important, and that was quite difficult. And and yeah. and I think there has been that growth, and some of that is about being quite selective in how you present yourself back to the business, and and about you know, I remember when I turned up in 2017, there was a very firm. We don't do brochures. Whatever we do, we don't do brochures. We try and push people towards. <laughs> That's all we you know, do. <laughs> But, but, you know, to, to make, making that a clear statement of intent and saying, actually, we do we do push people towards different channels and we don't take the easy option of nodding along and saying, OK, well, you've asked really nicely, so you do get us to go and do you a nice PDF brochure. But actually sticking to what we know works. But by doing so, you, you do begin to change your perception of the business and you do begin to say, well, actually, just because you've asked for this, we're not going to give you that. We're going to work out what you intend to do, what your objectives are and how we can help you reach it in a way that we think will work. And I think sometimes it is just doing that again and again and again and again and again until you begin to get that traction and, yeah. and then the other bit of that is is having the tech stack in place to be able to show people the outcomes properly yeah. and actually until you know i think one of the things that's really changed in the time i've been at mace is the the measurement and reporting capability that we've built in the past few years is just so much better than it was and actually we can we can show people demonstrable yeah uh, we can demonstrate to people the really clear outcomes of the work we're doing and and as a result that argument you make when you say well you don't need a brochure what you need is for us to to do an integrated capture planning campaign actually if you can then show people what that means in terms of uh you know market generated leads that's hugely valuable and i think that's really changed the dial quite significantly as well so actually being able to report back on your performance and, and, and the impact of your campaigns has been a huge thing in terms of demonstrating the value. So how did you kind of get a kind of technology and MarTech space kind of stack in, in, in place, really? I guess it, it started off, um, it, it, we've kind of, st- we started off with trying to get a, a decent marketing automation system in place. Yeah. Um, and I think we've evolved and we're actually at quite an interesting stage of the journey now because we're we're looking at that our digital ecosystem at the moment actually and, ref- and refreshing that. Um, and we're kind of just going through that, I suppose, requirements gathering piece at the moment, looking at the sort of people, the process and the, the, the tech not the, the technology. Yeah. And I guess we are looking at the stack and the systems, but actually more, more importantly, we're looking at what they what we want them to do for us. Um, you know, I've got this kind of vision of, of sort of AI being able to tell us what we do at the next stage of our Marcom's campaign should look like, you know, which is kind of probably, you know, what happens in consumer marketing where they sort of track your buyer behavior and then target you with a very specific message or campaign because the data yeah. tells them or predicts that that will increase your propensity to buy. And I've got this kind of, in my head, if we get this tech stack in place, that sort of, it's a fabulous CRM system with great marketing automation and, and, and fabulous integrated kind of events technology and social media tech and, and all the rest of it, that at some point in time, we'll have enough data in there that's overlaid with the big data as well um, and kind of the, the, the basic CRM data that it'll tell us what we need to do ne- the next step of a, you know, a data centre client at this part of the, you know, at this part of the buyer's journey. Um, you know, we're away off that yet. But, you know, <laughs> I was going to say it, it's utopia. It is utopia, but it's not It's not unheard of. You know, it happens yeah. in other sectors. Yeah. And I think we have got a lot of the data, uh, but it's all at the moment, it's in separate systems and it's not necessarily integrated. And I think that's yeah. where we're, that's where we need to get to, that everything is integrated. Um, and all part, because we've, you know, we, we do... If you look at how many bids that we do around the world, um, 
you know, that data is gold dust and we just can't mine it at the moment and overlaying it with kind of marketing campaigns. And, yeah. you know, that's that's where we, we want to get to. But the great thing is there is now appetite from the board to, to do this. Um, so, again, there's been a massive sort of step change in, in 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 the appetite for that which is which is great so we're actually just kind of developing that sort of strategy at the at, at the moment you know looking at different um digital asset management systems looking at digital publishing tools marketing automation you know how you sharepoint crm you know which is the big missing link for us um in a way so yeah it's really from that point of view it's it's super exciting yeah. um so Watch this space. Oh, you'll watch be this watching. space. Or don't yeah. watch this space because you'll be watching us. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's be honest. So in terms of uh, lockdown and are we ever coming out of it? Um, so how has it been for you at Mason? I guess how have your team had to work and what, what what's the past? It's not even a year. It's more than a year. It's like almost a year and a half been like for you. I'm going to get that off of you, Dave. Um, I, I think it's a really interesting question. I, th- I think for me, there's been some really distinct phases of this for us. And I suspect for a lot of businesses, it's, you know, although although it can tend to kind of blend into 18 months worth of kind of bland, you know, lockdown's been tough kind of stuff. Actually, the, the first, you know, like, like a lot of big operational businesses, the first couple of months of COVID was a incredibly difficult and stressful time for everybody in the team. You know, we we suddenly had, you know, all plans go out the window. We've got to close 90 construction sites overnight. We've got to design new safe ways of working. We've got to communicate with thousands of staff on a nearly daily basis about changing regulations. And that what what I thought was really interesting about that is we we did change how we worked as a team. You know, yeah. we we very quickly realized the existing team structure just wasn't the right structure to deliver what we needed to do. There were people in existing roles who who didn't have much to do because a lot of standard marketing activity had stopped. There were people in other roles who were just swamped. And so we collectively as a as a marketing leadership team led by Danielle kind of went, okay, well we need to change this. And we introduced agile working teams across different functions that that actually kind of tore up our team structure, put different people into different places, you know, gave people an opportunity to use skills they hadn't used before, taken responsibilities they hadn't used before, and and actually created overnight a, a new team working in a new way that was high performing, high functioning, and just delivered what the business needed. Yeah. And that was really, although it was a really stressful time and there were loads of late nights and lots of really long hours, actually I look back at that and think, well, my God, we, we basically went remote in 72 hours. We helped the rest of the business <laughs> go remote in 72 hours. At the same time, we tore up the hierarchy and rebuilt it and it just worked. And not only did it work, it worked really, really well. And that's, you know, looking back, it feels a bit, um, feels a bit odd to, to look back and realise. But it was a, seri- it was a serious crisis that was global that happened to everybody. I mean, how often does that happen? I mean, that's basically yeah. it, yeah. isn't and, it? And I, think, and I think one of the things that it really showed to me was actually that that, that internal comms role of, of kind of, you know... It, in normal times, it's quite, it's not slow moving because there's a lot of stuff to do very quickly. But but the pace at which you're having to d- deliver change is never daily. And actually, when the pace <laughs> of delivering change becomes daily and the way in which you need to communicate as a business and, and divides, you know, you've got one message for UK staff on construction sites. You've got one message for UK staff in head office. You've got another message for international staff in this part of the world. And actually suddenly having to you know, if, you, if you're a UK-based business that operates globally rather than a global business, that actually presents some really complicated challenges. Yeah. And I think the speed with which we had to build a new system and a new approach and a new style of communicating. And, and there was a really key moment for me where Mark, our chief executive, Mark Reynolds, consciously switched to over-communicating. 
you know, let's let's <laughs> let's up the ante. We need to be as transparent as we can. We need to be open. We need to admit we don't have the answers. We need to admit we're not sure what's happening. And that's exhausting for a Marcom's team. <laughs> that, yeah. is, that is a very challenging place to be. <laughs> you know, suddenly organising. You know, every, every every week we were doing video from him to the staff. We were doing semi daily emails. We were doing four sets of webinars out to the entire business led by the chief execs. All this stuff was really happening very quickly. But I think it did make a difference in terms of people understanding that we, we weren't telling them what to do. We were saying, well, we don't know what's happening either yeah. here, but work with us and we'll all come out of this together as, as well as we can. And then, so that's phase one. And then, and then we kind of got into summer last year, things are returning to normal, you know, the world begins to open up again, at least in the UK. And you kind of try and find out what that new normal is. But then as a business, we went about a really ambitious change program. And and Danielle can probably talk about it in more detail, but but you know, they they took the opportunity to say, well, we need to work out what our new normal is as a business, so let's change the strategy. And yeah. that triggers a whole different type of really hard, challenging, demanding work as a team. And as Danielle said earlier, one of the great things about that was that we were as a Marcoms team, probably more central in that than we might have been if it had happened six months previously. We weren't supporting the delivery of a strategy. We were helping to write it, or at least Danielle was helping to write it. And I think that made a real difference. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I just want to give hats off to Dave as well, actually, because he very much led on the crisis response for the for, for the team. And I think our internal comms response was really phenomenal. You know, the team yeah. did a, a really great job. And I think we launched like nine new channels or something like that. <laughs> I was going to say, but did, did yeah. it show? Did it show where you had gaps in internal comms? Because, like you say, internal comms is always like the forgotten, the forgotten channel in a way, right? Or, well, or it's not. It, it's never ever appreciated as much as it should be, right? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, do you know what? And everyone says this. It's a bit. It's a bit of a cliche, but it did. Just COVID just really accelerated things that were kind of in the, in the kind of long term planning. So you know we'd always sort of said, right, we need to really make more of the three Microsoft three six five package that we've got. At some point in time, we really need to launch Teams and we need to launch Yammer and we need to you know. And then overnight, it was like, right, we really need to launch Teams now because yeah. Skype is not is not going to cut it. And but I think you know just on reflection of it all, really. I mean, firstly, from a business point of view, it was always about keeping people safe and well and the CEO and the board was so kind of you know they were really really good at kind of that was the first and foremost priority but also what the business did which you know they they followed a framework for sort of managing the crisis response which enabled them to sort of I guess yeah it just gave them a bit of a structure in which to to kind of deal you know sort of manage the crisis but while also being able to think long term so I think it was a McKinsey model but it, it worked really well for us and it was sort of resolve, resilience, return and, and redefine. And, and the redefine bit that Dave's just mentioned was a kind of around July last year, I think, where where Mark sort of said, right, we need to, you know, we've got so much of the business focused on the return phase and getting back up to site and remobilising, but we need a small group of people really looking at that redefine element. So what yeah. does the future look like? So there was a group of us that used to meet every morning, obviously virtually, um, and we've got some really clear work streams that came out of it, you know, looking at the strategy of the business, looking at ways of working, you know, there was there was some really kind of very clear kind of goals and objectives. And this sort of small, smallish group of us to start with were just, you know, just kind of focused on that while other people were focused on yeah so so actually in, in hindsight I think it actually you know it was managed you know from the board's perspective really well internal comms 
did did a fantastic job and and I think us as a team have got you know got a lot of recognition and and in in response to that and I think um people who probably had never really given much thought to, to what comms was all about it's parties all sudden, it's parties it's parties this is really important stuff and, and and actually when we did the employee survey um um, at the beginning of the year, there was two metrics that came out of that um, really strongly, and one was around communication. You know, across the business, people with that, our, our metric for for, for comms and engagement went up, which which was great. And again, I think testament to the team. And yeah. the other was sense of purpose, um, which we launched our new purpose as part of the redefined strategy. Um, and, and and really great to see, you know, really quite quickly that the business has responded to it really positively and could kind of see their role in, in helping the business deliver against that purpose. So, yeah, so while it was a really super challenging, super challenging time, um, I think, you know, the business dealt with it um, in a really admirable um, way. And, um, yeah. Awesome. And, and I think for me, there's, there's something that's really, um, you know, you, comms teams and Marcom's teams can really only be as open and transparent and engaged with their audience as they're allowed to be. You know, you, you, every business has a, has a sensitivity level for how open they're prepared to be with their people about what's happening. Yeah. And actually, we, we were able to do a really great job of keeping people up to date and engaged around difficult, you know, some really difficult decisions we had to make as a business. It wasn't, it wasn't all sunshine and light at all. Some of it was really challenging, but but we almost had a mandate from the board to say, actually, we need to keep people engaged, aligned. You know, we're all working together, we're all pulling in the same direction. And and that meant we could go out and do some of this stuff in a way that I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would have dared suggest, I think, you know, pre-COVID, some of the level of transparency and openness we went with in this kind of all-staff webinar and these forums in which we were putting very senior leadership yeah. in front of people to ask unfiltered questions on a really regular basis. And actually, I think that, that kind of working in tandem, those two things that that our drive to keep people engaged and the board's you know recognition that they needed to be transparent and open if they were going to deliver this actually meant that we worked really well. And I've 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 had conversations with with peers in other in other firms where that that just didn't work quite so well, mm. and they felt the need that they had to kind of operate as normal despite doing really unnormal stuff and really challenging <laughs> stuff. And actually, it did lead to a bit of a a mismatch. And I think I you know. We, you are, you can't. As, as a team, you're only really as good as you're allowed to be sometimes. And I think it was a really, it was a really good thing to be able to operate in an environment where we were given the mandate to go and do that. I, mean, I think it would have been really difficult. I, I think it would have been a sort of comms professional point of view. You know, authenticity is really important, isn't it? And I think the fact that from a comms point of view, we were being really transparent and we weren't trying to paint a picture that wasn't accurate. We weren't kind of yeah. spinning it in any way um was 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 great because you know that it, it's very difficult isn't it when you're asked to um when you're asked to do that you know whereas we could be really really honest and really frank with people i'm, I'm not going to say there was no spin at all <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there was but actually even doing i guess internal comms always has that risk isn't it because whatever you say internally could well end up external right and yeah. that's yeah, that's yeah, basically yeah. it. You have to assume that. So I guess that's that and level. I think, of and I think there were some really right? there were some really clear examples last year of where that had happened and had gone both very right and very wrong. Yeah. And I think again that there's, that's helpful in some ways because it sharpens the expectations. It makes it easier to to 
to carry the message to say we need to be careful here. We need to we need to assume that anything we share with our people goes somewhere else. Completely and it has to be it has to be right, but but also that shouldn't stop us being open and transparent because this stuff is happening to every company in the sector. No, nobody that read a trade press magazine would be surprised that construction industries had a really difficult Q2 yeah. last year because everybody closed their sites for a month. You know, they didn't, they weren't told to by government, but they all did it voluntarily mostly. And as a result, everybody had a really challenging time. And so getting that recognition at, at, at senior level to say, actually, we can be transparent, we can be open about this stuff is, is really important. I think as well, it, you know, it, it also what was what was positive out of it is the collaboration amongst the industry. You know, it also, yeah, Mark Reynolds, our CEO, sits on the Construction Leadership Council and um, which is all the kind of major, major contractors and, and, and some sort of um, supply chain as well. And they they were meeting on a really regular basis. Oh, they, they, were did, very, they did. Yeah, they did tons of stuff, didn't they? They really yeah. kind of stepped up with guides on how to get back yeah. to site. And they did, to be honest, they filled a lot of the gap that, you know, the government would put a line in the report and then they'd actually come up with a methodology on how to do it, which is the most important part for a site. And I, and I think it was really interesting from, from a kind of with an external affairs hat on. You know, the construction sector, it's fair to say, hadn't didn't really get a lot of uh, a lot of airtime with, with government. It wasn't no. seen as one of these really crucial industries. It didn't, you know, we'd look enviously on aviation and automation and uh, <laughs> the auto industry with their kind of connections and influence. And actually at the point at which our industry became one of the few sectors of the economy the government thought could operate safely because we had controls in place, we, we knew how to implement challenging health and safety measures in a tight environment. Actually, suddenly we, we did have that ear and, and it was really uh, heartening to see the industry kind of pull together, which is not always famous for, kind yeah. of pull together and use that influence and leverage to get some positive outcomes for the industry and by by extension the economy. So it was, you know, it was it was great to see stuff change internally, but also externally, the whole industry, I think, and it's given a lasting impression. It does feel like it's more collaborative, more communicative. You know, that, that senior level, there's much more engagement. There's a much more shared vision of what we need as an industry to, to grow and to continue to perform well. Whereas before it was always, it felt quite fractured. It felt quite competitive. There wasn't a huge amount of that, that kind of ethos around sometimes. Thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Recovery. And I'm your host, Iowa Bass. If you want to find out more about the bi-weekly show, do check out the show notes, which will give you more information about who the guests are and all the things we've covered. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on an episode. Until next time. Bye. Bye.